One cannot address the ills of the body, mm. the ills of the mind, without first addressing the ills of the soul. Why do you share that quote at the beginning of this episode? <laughs> because we're talking about education. Okay, this is part three in our ongoing saga that is looking at home education and education in general. And we came to the conclusion that education is so, in, in, like the, the processes involved with how we learn, with how mm -hmm. we teach, they are so dependent upon the underlying reality that God is God mm. and we are not and we are created not creators mm -hmm. that changes everything it does and when we when we detach education from that um the the results are not good they're not pretty and so we're going to talk about uh, modern education where did it come from what function does it play what did it evolve into what is it today we're not going to be the uh, end-all be-all of conversations on this topic but we hope to get you thinking and we hope to uh, paint an accurate picture of, of what, what it is without being sensationalist, without being conspiratorial, but, but being accurate. Mm -hmm. So we welcome to this conversation. We hope it blesses you and we, we hope that we can be nuanced and interesting all at the same time. So we'll see you <laughs> on the other side. Do you find me interesting? Always. Yeah, right. <laughs> you are. I believe you. Okay. You fell asleep while I was talking to you last night. I did not. You I got just made up. that up. You're right. Exactly. I made that up. <laughs> I remember. I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> okay. So, well, uh, go ahead. You, you had said something. You think, uh, you, are we in for a firestorm? Is what I want to know. I don't think we are. Because I, I feel don't know, like, but I don't really care. I think you just have to say stuff that is the truth. I'm say fine stuff. saying truth. You have to say stuff. the truth. I'm fine saying true stuff. I'm not fine just taking kind of whatever that well-worn path is. Like I know, I know. I just don't want to be so nuanced that we're compromising. So. I agree, I agree. But I also know that there's some really loud voices on both yeah. sides of this conversation that lack nuance entirely. And because of that, you're not winning anyone over. All you're doing is you're, you're strengthening your... <laughs> dividing people you're more. You're just dividing, <laughs> yeah, you're strengthening the divide. And what we're trying to do is to get you, Christian parent, thinking through... Uh, what education is and the implications of the decisions you make as a mm. parent. And so this specific episode is just looking at where did our model, our, our modern educational system even come from? Yeah. It's funny because you talk about education and uh, you'll say, well, we, we home educate. We chose not to tr traditionally educate our children. Well, the irony of that is that this modern educational system is, is very, very new in the scheme of history and that home education or just any sort of cohort-based, small, very specific, one-on-one, -on -one, that is as old as time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's how right. knowledge has always been passed down. That's the traditional view. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and classrooms aren't bad. We're not here to say that classrooms are bad. There's a place. What we care about is what is taught. Because mm -hmm. what is taught in the classroom, the mode is, I think there's a room for liberty. There's room for conversation around the mode. But there's not a lot of room from a Christian worldview around the content. Mm -hmm around the message itself. And so we're gonna, we're gonna dive into the structures of public education, government education, on how those, those have transformed the message and how the message can get separated, even in Christian schools, how the biblical worldview can get separated out from the rest mm -hmm. of an education. Mm -hmm. So um, before we do that, who are we, Selena? Well, you're Selena. <laughs> I'm Selena, this is my husband, Ryan. Wait. We are the Fredericks, we're the voices, faces, all things behind fierce parenting, fierce marriage, uh, 
the Fredericks anything, I guess. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. I can't lay claim for all the Fredericks. I can only lay claim for us. But uh, <laughs> Not Fredericks of Hollywood. <laughs> nope. Don't look it up. Nope. Fierce <laughs> <laughs> parenting episode. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I should have said on the marriage side. So not that. Um, but yeah, the point is, uh, yeah, we, we've we've done this ministry now for a number of years. Uh, the parenting side has only been a few years. But yeah. the marriage side, we've been doing that for So you should follow while. us. You should subscribe. You should leave a comment. You should rate, review, yeah. whatever you can to help us get the word out. We are all about gospel-centered life, uh, first with God, obviously, and with our marriage, and then with our children. Yeah. So get the word out. Leave a rating and review. That goes very far with us. Um, if you want to participate and partner with us, you can go to fierceparenting.com slash partner. Oh, awesome. Just making sure it was parenting and not marriage. Thank you. Yep. It can get confusing at times. It can. <laughs> okay. So last week, okay, we talked about what does the Bible say about home education? If you haven't watched that video, just go one video back on the parenting playlist. Mm-hmm. You'll find it right there. The week before that, we talked about our journey mm-hmm. into home education. So we, we, if, if you don't realize, if you don't know by now, we actually do home educate uh, and we are big fans. We enjoy it. But we also, we, we know that there's a lot of people still asking questions about it. So yeah. we thought, let's just look at education in general and let's, let's, let's be beholden to scripture and let's not bind our consciences by anything mm-hmm. other than what God would bind them with. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of dogmatism in this world especially when you start talking to people who are passionate about home education is that they think, you know, they've really cracked the code and that's great. That is really great. We're glad that you've, you've enjoyed it, but I don't know that we can go so far as to say, if you don't home educate your children, you are a bad person. <laughs> like, or you're insane. Yeah. yeah. Or you're insane. And there are people on the other side who say, well, if you home educate your children, you are creating weirdos and the world is going to be a bunch <laughs> of weirdos if you don't stop being a weirdo yourself. <laughs> And so that's the other side of it. And so we're trying to say, okay, where is the Bible, where is the Bible te- teach us to land on this topic <laughs> and, and look at it pragmatically. Um, and by the way, in a, in a following episode, we're going to talking, we're going to be talking through um, some of those common objections that Christ, Christian families will have to mm-hmm. home education. Yeah. Um, but that's coming in a later episode. So for this week, what were the modern schools designed mm-hmm. for? Originally. Yeah. Originally. If you look at the timeline of, I guess just in the West, mainly, you're looking at the timeline of history and how education started. Um, the rationale, I, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, okay, so it's we're going to do this in more detail, and we'll try to be kind of fast. It, there's a lot of um, information, mainly on YouTube, about this, so um, hopefully we'll get you thinking, and then you can always go deeper down this rabbit hole if you want to, but we're just going to give you kind of a flyover here. Um I think a lot of times we don't know the water that we're swimming in. Okay, I'd mentioned that traditional education is not is not government schools. That's mm-hmm. not traditional. It feels traditional because if you're still if you're alive right now, like there's nobody alive today who hasn't been born and raised in the educational system that we have mm-hmm. that we know today. Yeah. And so it's what we know. If you're born after the 1850s, is there anybody watching this who was born before the year 1850? <laughs> if you are, I mean, if you on. are, please leave a comment. <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> I want to meet you because uh, you're That's 180 cruel. years old, 172 years old. Um, point is, is that anyone who's born after that time doesn't realize it doesn't know any other way of being educated, at right. least not any legitimate way. Right. 
And so by taking a moment to look at the history of our modern education system, especially here in the West, I think it'll provide us with a clear understanding mm-hmm. of why modern schools were first created and how they have evolved and the kind of the function they play today. So yeah. originally, what were the rationales for state-funded, publicly funded uh, education? So this is well known. I mean, you go all over to Prussia, like before Prussia became Germany mm-hmm. and some of the early parts, and we're talking about that a little bit more. They said, like, we need public education for these purposes. We need to have civic virtue. In other words, the primacy of one's country. Because I think what had happened is Napoleon, I'm not a historian, but Napoleon had attacked and, and defeated Prussia. Mm-hmm. And they were basically saying the reason why Napoleon won is because all of our people were independent thinkers. They, that, that's maybe a more nefarious way to put it. They weren't unified. They weren't thinking and in, in acting in unity. They weren't responding hmm. as, a, as a unified country. And so we need a way to imbue our <clears throat> citizens with civic virtue. Okay, another reason, that's the first reason. Another reason is meritocracy. So what is that? Meritocracy is of the best a rise to the top. Hmm. Like you, you rise through the strata of society based on your own merit. Hmm. Okay, uh, another one, social mobility. You were able to give people who were at the bottom strata the ability to move upward. Um, uh, and social stability, right? By having a, a baseline of education, we now have a society that has, uh, that there, there are people who can read and write, people mm-hmm. who can reason, people who can think rationally, right? That would, that would provide some level of social stability. Um, the fifth one is economic efficiency. And so governments are looking at this saying, what, what is the incentive to create these systems? Well, if we create these systems, we're not only going to have a social stability, but we're going to have people that know how to work and can think and can build and create and innovate. Okay, so economic efficiency. And then the sixth one is uh, freedom, right? And I think the rationale behind that being um, is freedom. People who think can generally uh, exercise their freedom can live more freely, right? Mm-hmm. They're not beholden to any ideas or narratives. The irony is, is that uh, there is on some level an indoctrination that has to happen. Yeah. And again, indoctrination is one of these kind of <clears throat> triggering words, these red flag words. But the point is that there's going to be something underlying. There's going to be a worldview that's being taught. So what we have here in the West and for any country that is like the United States, okay, um, we have what it is based on the Prussian model of, educa- of education. It's modern day Germany, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the model that the U.S. noticed and began to adopt. There's a guy named Horace Mann who um, he brought it over. He basically said they're doing something well. This, I mentioned Prussia early on. Um, they're doing something well. Look how well their their citizens are being educated. Horace, on some level, saw a necessity for this mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so he went and, and took this model. And what is this model? Well, okay, so you'll recognize this. Age-based cohorts. So what, why, is, why is a five-year-old in kindergarten? Well, because the that's government right. says yeah. so. Why is a six-year-old in first grade? Well, because that's who they're, that's the age that that cohort should be at that level. Mm-hmm. And so there's age-based cohorts. And here's another way to put it. It's <laughs> these, the children are, are, are grouped and they're put in a, the same basket to move throughout this educational experience based on the year or the date of manufacture, <laughs> right? That's the terminology Their is intentional date. there. The <laughs> birthday. And when were you made? Therefore, you go in this bucket and you will go on the assembly line at this time and you will follow through first grade, second grade and so on. Mm -hmm. And that assembly line analogy, uh, as kids are going on through it, this is, again, the Prussian model and the meritocratic model, meritocracy is the the good fruit as it's going along. You say, "Ooh, look at that. That fruit's riper. The crop. Yeah. That fruit look that fruit looks healthier. It's, mm-hmm. In other words, you have a smarter kid. You have somebody showing potential. They'll get tracked through there, and then eventually they'll be selected, and then brought maybe to another um, 
way of being educated. So modern day, the way that looks is you have colleges, right? So we go through 12th grade. Pretty much if you're in the government schools up to 12th grade, you're not really getting plucked out. You might get plucked out to go to like an advanced, an AP class or something or some sort of, you know, I don't know what gifted thing. Um, <laughs> but eventually you go to college, right? right. And so the colleges are, are the ones that are looking through. And, and the college is a whole nother conversation yes. because the way colleges have evolved over the last 30 years into being basically a consumer driven yeah. industry and not an education driven industry. It's changed the way they market, the way they market the experience. They're not marketing mm-hmm. the, it's basically you pay you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to Harvard because you're banking on getting that money back through the career that it will allow you to get. And it's not necessarily a guarantee of a good, edu- good education. Um, but so that's the, that's the analogy. And so in the, in the 1800s, the pre-1800s, it was the first time, and this again, over in the Prus- Prussian area, um, in history when they declared, someone declared that everyone should have an education. Mm-hmm. Seems like a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. And, Seems yeah, like and, an okay thing to say, right? And it was, it, yeah, it's all very <clears> good <throat> to say. And it had a really positive influence and impact on, on societies. Right. Right. And there's a guy named oh, uh, Johann Gottlieb Ficht. He implemented the system over there. He designed to create social obedience through indoctrination. That sounds pretty uh, nefarious, <laughs> but that's a quote that, that I, I don't know if he said it, but somebody in this video that I watched, they were talking about it. Um, and here's the other thing that's very harrowing that I think did come from something that he wrote. And it says, this education is not for the good of the individual, but it's for the good of the government. I want to go back to, think about it, okay? You're running a nation, mm-hmm. and your nation is surrounded by other nations that are that are more or less hostile, mm-hmm. or have the potential of becoming hostile. Right, and you it realize feels like a necessity to have citizens who can all ideally have a foundational base of reading and writing, yeah. doing some math, able to be in some militaristic mode if they have to be yeah. right and unified in that. But they also want to make advances, like any country. I mean, the same is true today. Everybody's yeah. chomping at the bit, trying to get ahead in technology and space exploration, all of that stuff. In the early days of this model for education, it was it was the arms race. Mm-hmm. It, it was the educational arms race. In other words, mm-hmm. if you had the smartest, most upwardly mobile society and they could mm-hmm. think and innovate and in some sense work together and obey, mm-hmm. then you had the nuclear weapons of the day. Right, right. And so they were fighting. They were they were all kind of trying to one up one another. And the U.S., of course, seeing this, said, mm-hmm. "Okay, we need, on some level, we need to have standardized education." Mm-hmm. And so we had this guy again. It was Horace Mann. He was the he was the head of the Board of Education in Massachusetts. He's been kind of dubbed the father of American education. So what happened was, um, at his kind of leadership, and I'm summarizing a lot here, <laughs> but a bunch of American dignitaries um, went over to Prussia specifically to learn the system and to get degrees from there they got degrees in germany and then they came back to establish most of our major early universities they got phds yeah they got these yeah they didn't get bachelor's degrees (laughs) they got phds (laughs) and so by 1900 okay history lesson here all phds in the u.s all came from germany it's crazy think about that yeah if you had a doctorate in the u.s in the year 1900 you got that in Germany. In other words, we didn't have that mm. just 122 years ago. Crazy. We didn't have doctorates being, doctors being produced here. And so here's a quote from Horace Mann. He said this, another harrowing quote. The state is the father of children. That's what he said. The state is the father of children. Now, okay, back out of the just history. This <laughs> is a Christian family. podcast. Yeah. We're talking about, <clears throat> did, did, does, that, does that ring in, true in scripture at all? Mm-mm. That 
the rulers, they should be the ones who are caring for the children. They are the ones that are responsible for the children. Does Teaching that, the children does anything in no. scripture no. reinforce that? No. But according to Horace Mann, it was the responsibility of the state to provide an education for the child. Which is nothing new that we are, we're hearing that still, that same message today, that, you know, children are now the property of the government, the community, and so people want all of these mm-hmm. programs, all these things to kind of aid them along. Um, and you see, again, we're, we're just trying to show this history, mm-hmm. the foundation, so you can see the narrative from, from where it kind of began and where it's all, a lot of it was good intentions, but good intentions mm-hmm. with a heart that is absent of Jesus is, is never going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where well. I should have prefaced this whole conversation with it, but we, we we're talking Christian education is, is bibliocentric, right? It's centered mm-hmm. on the things of God. And as soon as you remove that from it, right. you start to remove yourself from the very reality mm-hmm. that undergirds everything. Yeah. And where, whereas in the West, what's replaced it is a very human-centric or an anthropocentric right. Right. view of reality. In other words, if I can just figure it out, then I can solve it, right? right? We see that, I could name examples upon examples of how we just think that if we think hardly enough and wisely <laughs> enough about any problem, yeah. We can fix it. Yeah. That's that's a humanist idea. Mm. Like we don't think we have limits. Anyway, um, what I wanted to say there is I actually saw a news clip recently of somebody saying that almost yeah. the, exactly that. Yeah. And it's like, and we're okay. not far from it. Yeah. And so now think about that in terms of if you decide to put your kids in a state school, in a, pu- in a state school, publicly funded, publicly funded government, government school. school, or if you put your kids in a, a Christian school or some sort of uh, what are the charter school yeah. or something like that, yeah. or you choose to home educate. <clears throat> what if at some point the state says that you can't do that anymore? Mm. Like if that's where the narrative is going, mm-hmm. um, this, this seems like it's a pretty important topic to wrap our heads around. Like, right. it, it, are we just to say, okay, well, here you go. Here's my kids. Right. There's different laws in different states currently. And if mm. you do home educate, you should know the laws of your state. Uh, and if you don't, mm. I would recommend getting familiar with them. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, Every state is different right now, um, but the narrative is pretty strong. And not to yeah. say that it'll continue down this way, but because we are so uh, human centric and mm. man centric, and there's you know we're defining it by whatever we feel or whatever we think is should be the definition. Um, you can see how it's going to disintegrate and crumble uh, eventually, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, so we're not even out of the out of the 19th century yet. So <laughs> at 1870, public education was considered common. So by then, it had it was common to get educated in government schools, mm-hmm. but it wasn't uniform. There were different standards being applied right. um, from state to state and city to city. So now we, we're moving closer to the 20th century. In 1892, there was a guy at Harvard. He was the Harvard president. He determined that it should be, uh, that that in order to standardize this, they're going to put together this committee of 10. Mm-hmm. 10 guys. Hear me out. <laughs> 10 guys, probably smart. How did they qualify? Who gets to be on that they committee? Were just, you know, they were led by the Harvard president, oh, right? Goodness. And so they determined that it should be 12 years of compulsory education. This is to unify the experience, mm-hmm. compulsory required education. And they also determined the order at which the education would be doled out. Wow. That, that, you know, kids by the age of two should be reading X number of words. <laughs> what? The age of two. Oh, grade of two. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it's I home mean, education. Right? It's like <laughs> grades don't matter. Wait, they do. <laughs> yeah, kids by by the grade of two should be reading X number of words. They should be doing geometry right, at right. grade ten, so on and so forth. Um, and that's that's how that unfolded, right? Think about that. Okay, how embedded is the system, the grading, the grade system, into mm-hmm. our society? Yeah, 
it's hard as a home educator to not put that format into our own Mm -hmm. educational experience. The work is plucking it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I was watching a commentary on, on this and I mean, we call it, let's call it what it was. This was very forward looking at the time. It was something that, um, they were, they were being innovative. They were Mm -hmm. wanting to build a stronger society. And this is again, all sounds like late, late 19th century. Yeah. This was before we had interstate highways. Okay. This was before we knew anything about DNA before we had vaccines. This was before mass media. It was before like mass produced cars. Mm-hmm. Like this was before, before the industrial revolution. The, yes. Before the internet, before all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So they're just trying to make sure we, this is a way that we build strong societies. Now the question that begs is like, well, if society has evolved so much, why hasn't our educational system, system changed? System, yeah. And so this is why it's, this is what honestly really got me to start thinking like, well, why, why, why should our kids be in school X number of hours a day, X number of days a week mm-hmm. studying in this particular format? Why? Mm-hmm. It's just the water we're swimming in. Right. And so then I started to think in terms of, okay, it's my responsibility. It's our responsibility mm-hmm. to disciple and train these kids. Part of discipleship is giving them education, yeah. teaching them a trade, if you will. If you need to. Okay. So let's integrate that now. Now that, then that's, when I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's kind of where we <laughs> end up landing. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, the 1800s to the 18, the early 1900s, you're seeing this um, foundation of education being mm-hmm. formed, the compulsory laws, um, who gets to get educate, educated, right? Everybody is supposedly mm-hmm. um, the whole, you know, part of the themes were to civilize people, right? To make them uh, ready to mm-hmm. be working in factories because we see this, the industrial revolution, uh, which started, I think they deem it like 1700s to 1840s. Um, kids are being people are you know they want Mm -hmm. to produce they want to be that country that is that is ahead and so also once the industrial revolution takes place you know uh, rural farmers kids are coming into the city you have a clash of um, different immigrants you know everybody's got different ways of doing things and so yeah they're trying to Mm. create some standardized way uh, of educating people and then you get you go 50 years later into the 1950s and 60s there's segregation and there's the desegregation after that of schools Mm. so education has is is completely intertwined with government work um the function of government it's not separate obviously and i think i think sometimes as a parent you think well i'm sending my kid to school because that's what we do and and that's what we pay for as taxpayers but like why i mean ask the question why why do i need to send Mm. them there to learn things that I know that I can teach them or that I can find a tutor or someone to help teach them. What is, what is the point of this? I think it was a great question of things have evolved so much. And yet here we are, people are trying to evolve the system of education. But again, the basis is where we have our problem. It is based on us as humans and what we feel and think. And we are the end all be all authority and Christ is not. Yeah. Yeah. And even, to, to speak to that, um, you could say as a Christian parent, okay, like, okay, I'm sending them to school, not so they can get educated, but so, or excuse me, I'm sending them to school to get educated, not to be discipled. So I'll do this. I'll do the discipleship. Church will mm. do the discipleship and then school will do the educating. The problem is, is that functionally, this is what we realize yeah, is that practice, functionally yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't always out. shake out that way it's because, yeah. uh, you know, how can I compete 
as a parent, how can I compete with the one or two hours an evening I get with my kids? When they're at school, six to eight hours a day. When they're at school, yeah. Yeah. And they're being discipled. Even if they're not calling it discipleship, they're being discipled by their friends. Mm -hmm. They're being discipled by teachers and administrators. And you know what? Probably lots of those people are Mm well-meaning. They love the kids. They want to see the best for the kids. We had a good friend, two friends. They were they uh, masters educated uh, teachers. They were taught in public schools. They loved their kids. Mm-hmm. The, they they were passionate mm-hmm. educators. Mm-hmm. Their hands were tied in terms of their discipleship capabilities from a Christian worldview. Yeah. And so, um, by, by design, by design, the education system is ha- has these outcomes. But not only that, but it said your your worldview is not welcome here. Allowed. Yeah, it's not allowed. You know, as a Christian. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Our friend Nathan, he um, he would talk to kids about Jesus, but they had to initiate and they had to do. But we're seeing that, that table's turning now. Even You're seeing more, parents right. now, now. Parents are being shunned out, and this is yeah. there's a lot of talk around this for good reason. But the way that um, parents are being um, uh, what's the word? They're not being allowed to participate in big conversations, especially around things like a gender gender mm-hmm. identity, around human sexuality, and 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 so there's some indoctrination happening there. Um, but the point is, is that that how how am I to compete with that as a parent? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if that's not explicitly happening at my child's school, that's a burden that we felt we couldn't compete with that. Right. And so anyway, that's um, kind of walking you through our thinking process. Some of video one coming mm-hmm. back out. Um, but yeah, so we haven't evolved as a, as mm-hmm. a society educationally. Like they've evolved in ways that, okay, now we have computers for kids. <laughs> which, yeah. how did that go over the last two years? Like, yeah, with- <laughs> evolving to to you know the pandemic was was horrible all around but now the kids have to be in front of a screen for x number of hours a day i even saw a thing where someone got uh, in trouble for talking during a zoom thing or chatting somehow and as a, as a punishment that child was told to now go to the other zoom room for detention <laughs> so they had to exit that zoom call click on another link to go into the news detention zoom call how awesome uh, there is that? are no words. There just aren't any words. I because, cannot. Because a kid who's having a hard time connecting or who's who's acting out, that's how you get them. I can't to... sit still for six hours in front of a screen. <laughs> I can't sit still in front of a screen for six hours. Come on now. So, Anyways, we're not saying that. You know, we we have plenty of people who have been saved and they've gone to public school, right? We're not yep. saying that you can by home educating you're going to guarantee the salvation of your child. No one can say that. God is the one. Who has called his children? Has called the people to him, or and, by Christian school? Yes, you can't say the same thing. Also, nor can we say by not home educating your kid is doomed. doomed. <laughs> we can't say that, right? And so again, we're just trying to look at this from we're a trying to present okay, the biggest issue. What does the here? Bible say about discipleship? Yeah. What is what does how well does this modern education model fit with what we're called to discipleship wise? How do those diagrams overlap, right. if at all? If at all. And um, pragmatically, functionally, but also in principle, how do they overlap? Right. Um, and so, um, I go ahead. Oh, there's just some big dangers. I think that we, again, you know, it's we don't want our kids to be operating and living as if they are the the only authority in their life because mm. that is problematic, traumatic. It's all the addicts. Like it's, <laughs> we need to teach them how to live under the authority of God and how that is a beautiful and wonderful thing. There's fruit that happens. There's multiplication that happens. Look at the fruit of the wokeness conversation, right? There is no fruit. There's irony, the, the 
arguments break down. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that pr- is actually yeah. produced yeah. there. I would actually say that the biggest issue in modern schools is not, I know is not wokeness. It's not CRT. It's not the gender identity stuff. I, those are big issues. Symptomatic. But yeah. those are symptoms of a much larger issue. And it's this man centered, humanistic, completely detaching of ourselves from our creator God mm. and saying that. And you see that, like, we're so, uh, what's the word? We're so materialistic mm. in that if I, the irony of this is so thick because it's like you separate the gender identity conversation. You say, okay, my body does not determine my gender. That's the, that's the narrative, right? Right. I may be born male, but I identify as this, as such. Therefore, you must call me what I want you to call me. <laughs> and I'm not saying uh, it could be anything. That's why I didn't say because it could be like a billion other a billion yeah. things. Like yeah. people call themselves clown and clown it's self. And it's like yeah. it's like those are not thoughts of healthy people. Those are thoughts of people that have bought into a, a cult a narrative. Yeah. Um, but that so detaching yourself, saying that I am a physical being, but who I think I am overrides my physical being to a point. Right. <laughs> so I've, I, but also I'm not going to believe in, I can't believe in anything other than the physicality of the world as we experience it. <laughs> so God can exist, but I can exist as anything I want to exist as. What does that sound like to you? That sounds mm-hmm. an awful lot like Romans one to mm-hmm. me. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, mm-hmm. worshiping the creation rather than the creator. They suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So the underlying problem is not, you know, is your is is it because they're too liberal or too or not conservative enough, or because they've bought this political ideology, or they've bought this, you know, critical race? They're theory. problematic, but the deeper issue, the deeper yes, the deeper, grander, I think, real problem is a lack of reverence and fear mm-hmm. of the Lord. Proverbs mm-hmm. one seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We talked mm-hmm. about that last week. If that mm-hmm. is where it starts, then how can we detach ourselves from the fear of the Lord and expect our children to land in a place of knowledge, mm-hmm. true knowledge? Mm-hmm. And instead we get, um, in some cases, insanity. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of see where we're headed with this. I, I think, where, how do we conclude? So we, we want- <laughs> Supplement versus substitute. How do we conclude this is, these are going to be strong words, and I, I don't, and I'm going to echo Doug Wilson on this because here's what he said. I'm just going to, I'm going to blame it on him, <laughs> but I agree with him. He says, someone asked him, "Do you think Christians should have their kids in public school?" And his response was, "I don't think kids should have, I don't think parents should have their kids in government schools willingly. Christian parents should not have their kids in government schools willingly." Now, if you've got somebody who's, you know, a single mom, like in Selena's mm-hmm. case. You know, you might need to make that that concession. Mm-hmm. What Doug said, and I agree with this wholeheartedly as well, is the church is here for you, mm-hmm. and so if you, it, like the church has a, a real stake in the formation of our of yeah. our children's souls, we want our children to to be raised up in the in things the counsel God. and the yes. things of God and the admonition of the Lord, and Amen. and so I I will do everything I can for my children, but also if we're in the same church community and I know you and you're and I'm called to you mm-hmm. in that way, friend. And you come to me and say, I really want to put my kid through this. You know, I want to put them in this Christian school because mm-hmm. I don't want them to be in the in the government school or I want to home educate, but we can't quite swing it because right. we both have to work. Then I'm looking to Selena. I'm saying, how can we help them? Yeah, Because that's our brother and sister in Christ. That yeah. child is our brother and sister in Christ. Right. And we want to see them brought up in the things of God. And this is an important thing. Like, And so while you, clearly we have strong convictions around this, um, 
and we want to draw clear lines where clear lines can be drawn. Mm-hmm. I just think we have to really look at that. How do we see modern education and discipleship? Where is the overlap, if if any? And if there's any overlap, but then there's a rejection, mm-hmm. or it's going to in some way uh, uh, put our child at risk of being more likely to reject the gospel, then that mm. that needs to be seriously, seriously looked at. Um, so there was no, it, it's not that all of modern education is evil. It's not that all of the fruits of modern education are bad. That's not what we're trying to say. We're saying as Christians, how, do, how are we to view mm-hmm. what's happening? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is maybe as schools 20 years ago, a little bit different. Right. Schools 50 years ago, <clears throat> very different. Mm-hmm. Schools 100 years ago, very, very different. And so as Christians, how are we being called to iterate and update mm-hmm. our knowledge of this water that we're swimming in right. and change and iterate our very lives and orient our lives around the priorities that God has told us mm-hmm. to uphold? That's the question we want to ask um, in the next week. Uh, next week's video is we're going to talk through some of the common objections yeah. um, that that people have. Uh, yeah. This is all about home education. Yeah. I think Christian education is fine, just as a quick sidebar. Like if, if it's truly Christ-centered, there's a lot of Christian schools that aren't Christ-centered. Mm-hmm. Those are problematic but if you have you know if you have math science and then chapel and you expect kids to care about chapel above everything else but it's just another one of the categories that's a problem there needs to be some scripture at the center math science everything is around yeah that would be speaking to modes i think a little bit yes yes but the point is is we're not trying to say that home education is the ultimate but um but rather that i think it makes a lot of sense (laughs) so um Hopefully that wasn't overly overly dogmatic. I feel like I'm backpedaling a lot because I, I don't want to subject anyone's conscience to ours or bind their consciences by the same things that yeah, bind ours. Yeah, but they have to think for themselves. You, you have minds of your own and you serve God and you can yeah. dive into scripture and you can discern and you can ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and clarity just mm-hmm. as much as we do. So. All right. All right. Let's pray. Mm-hmm. Lord, we thank you. I pray that um, you give us wisdom mm-hmm. as we think through these um this topic as parents not just us but the parents listening watching this give them wisdom lord give them courage mm-hmm. or to hear your voice um not that we're here as your mouthpiece we're not claiming that we're seeing revelation from you lord but i pray that you would give them clarity around hearing the call that you're placing on them and mm-hmm. the decisions they make and how their children are educated mm-hmm. um lord i pray for our country and the countries in the west that have detached themselves from you lord may we experience a, a revival of sorts mm. um, may we breathe new life into our societies into the lives of our children um, so that there's transformation in ways that are leaning more towards you not more away from you mm-hmm. lord help us we need your help in jesus name amen amen all right friends this episode of fierce parenting albeit long is in the can we'll see you again in about seven days so until next time stay fierce